you know, it's family and, it, and the people say that, and but it's truly what we are and it's truly how I feel. Today on the Rising Coaches Podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with the current head coach of the Yale Bulldogs, Coach James Jones. Coach Jones started his collegiate career playing four years for Albany, where he then went on to start his coaching career as an assistant for five more years upon graduation. Following Albany, Coach Jones landed an assistant role at Yale for two years, moved on to Ohio University for two more years before heading back to Yale to start his head coaching stint. Coach Jones has been awarded four times the Ivy League Coach of the Year awards in his 25-year reign at Yale. Please welcome Coach James Jones. Video analysis is expensive, and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their angled product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, A-10, or even the NBC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at fulcrumtech.com via email and be sure to mention if you are a Rising Coaches member or the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. Welcome back to another episode of the Rising Coaches podcast. Again, I am Doug Caputo alongside your co-host here, Alan Major. And we're excited today. We get to speak with the current head men's basketball coach at Yale University, Coach James Jones. Coach Jones, what's going on? Doug, Alan, great to be on with you guys. Thank you, man. Good to see you. You too. So to give you a lowdown, um, we're going to talk a little bit about your journey, what, what it took and how you got to where the current position that you're in. Uh, and then we'll just talk a little bit about, I know being at Yale, you've been there for an extended period of time. So maintaining that position, because not a lot of coach, it's unique. It's unique. Not a lot of coaches are in that position um, at a head job at one school for so long. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll get into our final segment. We like to call three quick hitters, uh, just to give everybody a little more down low of who you are as a person. So start things off. Your playing career, uh, you're a Long Island native and stayed in your home area four years at Albany, uh, and then you played under Coach Rich Sowers. So just talk a little bit about being able to play underneath him and then um, ultimately moving around and moving up from Yale to Ohio University in various positions. Just talk about your journey and, and you know what it took to be able to get to where you are. I thought I was a much better player than I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, you know different than anybody else. <laughs> we all have that thing. Like so, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to go to North Carolina and play for Dean Smith and wear the powder blue, right? And he ended up taking this dude by the name of Michael Jordan instead of me. Okay. And like, and I'm like, I'm like I could have been Mike, right? Like, yeah, right. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> I would have grown six more, six more inches, and you know, been the best player of all time. So. I wasn't as good a player as I, as I thought I was. And in my mind, I always thought, thought about uh, doing things to become better, but I never really got to them. 
You know, I was going to go to the park and there are like six hoops there and I was going to make 10 jumpers in a row on each court before I would go home. And I thought about doing that a lot, but I never did it. Right. Um, and it was before you had a trainer and all the stuff you have right now. So, you know, we just out, we just went out and played in the park. And, you know, like as a kid, I remember going to the park and, and like, you know, I had these big, thick glasses on and I'm skinny. I weigh about 106 pounds and you know, Who's who's got next? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there, Rod. They said Rod's from what's happening showed up to play today. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I was called Rod on more than one occasion. <laughs> no. On more than one occasion, I was called Rod. Rod. And so they looked me up and down and go, Yeah, you can run around that track right there. You're not running. <laughs> so um, you know, I was I was fairly athletic and I went to Albany and I coach always had everybody play on the JVs, but I got moved up to the varsity at the end of the season and got to play in the ECAC tournament. And uh, we had gone. Um, so the next year we went, we had, I was the most valuable player on the JV team. And, um, you know, you next year playing varsity and I get cut. And, and I like, I, I, I kind of like lost my mind. I'm like, well, you know, something's rotten in Denmark here. What's wrong? And, the JV, the JV coach who was assistant varsity coach goes to me, he goes, listen, um, if I were you, I'd go talk to Doc in a week or so to find out, you know, what's going on. A week, like I didn't sleep all night. My roommate, who I was better than, he had made the team and I had. And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm not understanding what the hell is going on. <laughs> so Doc, I'm sitting out in front of his office. I get there like at seven o'clock. I don't know what that, like, so the building opened and I was sitting on the floor in front of his office. And so we go and sit down and he, and we got to talk and he goes like, well, you're not really a two, you're not really a three. I got coach, listen, like I led the team in scoring. I led the team in rebounding. Like I'm not understanding how you got seven dudes from that team on this team and I'm not one of them, right? So he goes, well, you can play JV again. I'm like, well, listen, I don't know what else I could do for that team. I was the most valuable player. I don't know what else I can do. He goes, well, all right, I'll tell you what, you come out and you continue, continue trying out. So there were 16 guys on a team and I made 17. So every time we did a four on four, a two on two, my name wasn't called. So some of my boys would let me get into a drill here and there and whatever. So I kept fighting and the JV coach was working with me with my jump shot because it was broken. It was, it was broken. <laughs> That sucker, that sucker was broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. What they call driveway range. It's like when an Oldsmobile '98 is in the back of the driveway, and you can't go back any farther. I had, I had, I had layup range, is what I had. So I ended up. Uh, he cut the team down to 14. I was still on the team. He cut it down to 12. I was still on the team. He cut it down to 11. So I made the team with. I made the team, and we had gone to. Um, we went to uh, France that next summer. So we're playing like, you know, these, and, and this is before obviously Europe exploded with basketball. So we're playing these games and, you know, there's a game, I have three dunks in a game and I lead the team in scoring. So I'm all jacked up. I'm like, yo coach. So like, you know, does this, does this make a difference? Cause I didn't play much as a sophomore. Does this make a difference for me? And he's like, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> So, so like it was like yo dude like what like he was just spitting he was just spitting on my game now again and I'm and I'm, and I'm making out like I wasn't a, you know I was I was pretty good right you know I wasn't trash I was I was pretty good in any event I had uh, graduated and I ended up working for a computer company 
um, for several years and grew bored of it. And uh, I found out there was an opportunity to go get into coaching, get a master's degree. I was going to get a master's degree and go work on Wall Street. Uh, a lot of money was being at the, made at the time in the mid 80s. And um, I got, I coached, I was the head JV coach and assistant varsity. And my team, we were 17 and three. And I thought coaching was easy and I was snake bit from then on. And so now it's just like, I, I've had this wonderful, joyous career and I haven't felt like I've worked in, in, in 30 years. This isn't work what I do. I mean, I, we, got practice. we got practice in about an hour here and I'm going to go down and blow a whistle and yell at kids. So that, <laughs> that, that, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like work to me. It sounds like a joy and I'm blessed to have some of the best people in the country that I get to work with every day. And, you know, working for uh, Doc Sowers and Larry Hunter, in my two, two of my three assistant coaches position, you know, I remember with Doc, you know, like, again, I'm full of piss and vinegar and I, we're in a coach's meeting and I'm like, hey, coach, we can do this and we can do this. And, we can do this. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, listen, he goes, listen, when you get your own damn job, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> now right you're now, looking back. But right now we're going to do it my way. So, you know, there were so there's a lot of lessons learned there for me. Uh, one. I wanted to make sure that my assistants always had a voice and always felt and always feel like they can bring things to me. Now, I won't take every suggestion, obviously, but I'm going to listen to everything they say. And I'm not going to tell them when they get their own damn job to do whatever they want, because I didn't really like that. I didn't I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy that conversation. So, <laughs> so I'm going to make sure that um, they feel vested in what we do. Um, so it, a lot of times when you work, you learn what not to do as opposed to what to do. And, but doc was very, he, he kind of like ran like almost a mathematical equation coached. And that's why I didn't fit in as a player. And I realized that later in life, as when I was assistant with him of how he went about what he did. So he would put guys in a nice box and you have to fit that box to be able to be a player for him. And I was, I was just different. And I didn't, I didn't fit a box. I was just a player. I just didn't fit a box. So I didn't fit into his mind, his mind scheme. Like he didn't know what the hell I was going to do out there. So and he, and he, needed, and he needed to know. Um, in any event, you learned, I learned a lot from him. And Larry Hunter was, um, God bless his soul. He passed away a few years back. I went to his memorial service down at OU. Uh, tremendous, tremendous man, hard worker, craziest crack cocaine itself. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Really good. Hard, hard playing teams now. Oh, no, listen, listen. Some hard plan teams, man. For whatever reason, I was just thinking about Larry's stare down of an official one year. Like he was, he was staring down, like he wanted to go. Larry was like, let's go. You, you, you can't see my team. Let's, I'm ready to go right here in front of all these people. But he, he's a really good man and I learned a lot from him as well. No, it's great stuff, man. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm sure that's shaped how you and you, you know, I was on a, a Zoom a few weeks ago with you, and I heard you mention giving your assistants rope. And and I think sometimes, you know, coaches that maybe don't do that, they can forget that assistants need practice too. Mm. You know, obviously, you talk about players need practice, but coaches need practice coaching. Yeah. They need developing their voice, and and then the players seeing that, you know, and I think that just helps to that just makes your team better. Yeah, it's just hard to be an assistant and feel like you don't have a voice. Like my assistant, uh, Matt Kingsley has been with me for 18 years, right? 
And uh, Justin Simon's been with me for 12. So I have Ooh. 30 years of experience on my bench. And like, how many times they want to hear me say the same thing over and over? Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're tired of listening to James Young. <laughs> so I give them as much rope as I possibly can. Like I let them run our entire preseason program. Like I used to micromanage our preseason, postseason workouts. I would give them a sheet of what to do, just like a practice plan. And so now I let them handle it so they can they can do their own workouts. We have guidance in terms of what I'm looking for, but I let them do and add and subtract and do things. Yeah, do some stuff. And and from that, um, our program has gotten better. We've learned, we, we've gotten better because I've learned from them and uh, been able to share. And like, again, I don't take every suggestion, but oh, I like that, let's do that. Oh, I like this, let's do that. So it's, it's, been, it's been great for us. And, it's a formula that's worked. And after you graduated, I mentioned you hung around for at Albany for a couple of years. I believe it was five years. Uh, then ultimately went to Yale as an assistant, OU, um, and then boiled back to become the head coach where you still reign from 1999. I guess I'll do a, a quick brag for you. You're, you're the longest tenured coach in the league, as well as one of the most successful in the Ivy League, which is a, a you know, a huge... For those maybe who somehow aren't familiar with the Ivy League, um, it's one of the best and top tier. So talk a little bit about like the ups and downs of maintaining a position in the Ivy League and just, you know, uh, staying at a program for an extended amount of time. Well, there's no downside to it, right? The only downside is that I guess people pigeonholed you into thinking that, you know, you're an Ivy League coach and there's these, these, uh, stereotypes of what Ivy League basketball are. And, and people have no idea. I was golfing a couple of weeks ago and some dude who's a starter, he found out that we're playing Gonzaga. He goes, ooh, ooh, I feel sorry for you guys. That's gonna be a long night. I'm like, you have no idea how good we are, do you? You got, you got, you got no idea. We went to Kentucky last year and without our best player, we lost by 10 points. Without, without, without our best player. So it's like, you have no idea how good we are to have that statement. So here's a guy who lives in New Haven, um, who is around this community and, you know, they watch his television and they read the newspaper or online or whatever the case it is these days. And he has no idea how good we are. So if that guy has no idea how good we are, what do you think about the average fan around the country who, who never even sees Yale basketball players or ever hears about us? All they think about us is what we used to be, you know, slow down, a bunch of white guys with uh, shorts that are too small running back, right? That, that's, again, that's in their yeah. mind. That's not, that's, that's not who we are. Not at all. <laughs> like, not at all. you know, like Princeton went to the Sweet 16. Cornell went to the Sweet 16 two years ago. I mean, uh, several years ago, you know, we've won games in the NCAA tournament. Harvest won games in the NCAA tournament. You know, we finished, we finished 64 in the country last year with Ken Palmer, something like that. So, again, so that would be the only downside. You get pigeonholed. Now, the upside, the upsides are all over the place. Like, I have relationships with young men for the rest of my life that are extremely special and um, they're just unbelievable. Azar Swain is one of our best players here. Um, he just sent me uh, photos of us embracing um, the last moments of his final game in the NCAA tournament against uh, Purdue. And, he, and he, so he sent me the three pictures. He's like, hey, coach, just looking through my camera roll this morning. This was two days ago. He said this. I was just looking through my camera roll this morning. And I came across these 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 pictures. Uh, nothing but love for you and Yale changed my life. Here's a man 
who he and his father used to go for AAU tournaments, he used to sleep in his car because they couldn't afford the hotel. And so now he's working on Wall Street for one of the giants and he's making hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year yeah that's called that's the last that's, that's called having the last laugh yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's feeling pretty good about his education here's another great one for that young man and this just goes to the the stories of of changing lives so his dad had his taxes done and his accountant goes you sure you want to use azar as a as a dependent because he earned more money than you did last year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We got we got him some we got him some powerful internships where he was able to make a lot of money. So it's just one of those things like this place is extraordinary. The people you come in contact with are extraordinary. And then like I see the lives that my alums have, and there's no doubt in my mind if I was smart enough and good enough, where I would have gone to school had I had the opportunity. All right, this place is tremendous. This league is outstanding. Um, what it stands for, and we're truly the only league in the country that um, is transformational for our student athletes. Um, everything else, everything else is pretty much a transaction in terms of how that how that occurs. And it's interesting. I, I said that in a, a meeting, and Tommy Aronka said that well, you got that from me. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure I got it from you because my wife was telling me, um, you know, months ago when all this NLI stuff came out. She goes like, it's unbelievable how much of a transaction that stuff is, and you guys just changed it. In any event, it's just, we're transformational still. And it's just this wonderful, this wonderful uh, thing that we're able to do. And, and I'm proud to be part of this institution and this league. You know, it's funny, James, it, the same guy that didn't know how good you are and he's thinking Gonzaga's gonna win by 50. Those are also the people that need to be reminded of when we get those kind of photos, you know, like we had, we, we had Lionel Chalmers uh, who I coached at Xavier, and he he jumped on the pod, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. We'd been in touch via text or call, but we picked right up where we left off, yeah. just on the screen, you know, just laughing about stuff from 20 years ago. Yeah, and yeah. people don't realize that's our paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when we have those moments with these guys, like, and they, you see them grow up. Their husbands, their fathers, yeah. they're successful their impact in lives now and whatever they do, like that same guy that has no clue about how good you are also needs <laughs> to know like, Hey man, th this is, this is not just me standing on the sideline in a suit. Like this is a, this is, this is bigger than what you think. Yeah. People have no idea what we do. They have no idea. Like they, they think that the, on a sideline with a suit is what you do for a living. That's about mm -hmm. four and a half percent. Yeah. Of what we do. The other, 95 and a half percent is the day-to-day -day stuff that you do with your guys and learning about their lives. I got a kid that's having surgery today uh, on a torn meniscus and, you know, his family's in, uh, in the Congo. So he's got no family here. He's nervous about it. Didn't sleep last night. I'm going to do milk and cookies later. After. <laughs> that's, that's the part of this whole thing that, that, that really, you know, it's family and it, and the people say that, and but it's truly what we are and it's truly how I feel. And one thing I have to say, too, is it's funny. Every coach that we talk, I shouldn't say every coach, a lot of coaches that we talk to always have a similar story as to how they got into coaching. They had no interest in it at all. Uh, and then they end up being this prestigious coach such as yourself. You know, you said you were looking to be on Wall Street. Now you're sitting here as the most tenured coach in the Ivy League. Kind of going into that. 
you got into the New England Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016. So what, I guess, does that mean maybe specifically to you as well as to the university? I mean, that, that's a huge opportunity. Well, listen, it, it was <laughs> obviously an honor anytime anybody's going to recognize you for doing something that you love to do, right? And that you feel like you've done a good job at and that people recognize that. Um, so, uh, yes, it, it certainly was a big deal for me. The dinner wasn't great. You have to dry chicken breasts. <laughs> my wife and my daughter laughed at me the whole time. During the, uh, but they keep you humble, though, right? They keep you humble. <laughs> Your family keeps you humble. So they, they, they certainly did. Coach, I've heard you mention this and, 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 you know, get into it a little bit. The staples now that are Yale basketball, offensively, defensively. You know, I know in year one, you, you, you try to figure it out. And then as you go, these things almost take a life of their own and take a shape of their own through some both shared hard times, shared suffering and shared success. And now the stuff, they're like cornerstones now, like they're yeah. non-negotiables. So, you know, get into what those are a little bit offensively, defensively. Yeah, we, we want to do three things. We have three principles, the three pillars for Yale basketball. We want to rebound and we want to defend and we want to share the ball. And we think if we do those three things at a high level, we have a great chance of being successful. The most important being to me is the sharing of the ball. It's sort of like making sure your assistant coaches are vested in practice and that they have something to do and they have a voice on your staff. Because if you don't feel vested, it's hard for you to add. And just like a young man who is on the court and like, I don't coach, I don't even get to touch it. I, I can't touch it. Like, right, right. Six, 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 six straight possessions. Like. <laughs> 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 there's, there's not a kid in the world that's come home from a game and hasn't been asked the question, how many points you score? Mm. Nobody, no, nobody wants to know how rebounds, how many rebounds you got. Nobody wants yep. to know how many assists you had. Nobody wants to know how, the, how many times you dove on the ground for a loose ball, loose ball or how many times you sprinted hard the ball screen or roll hard to the basket. How many points did you score, boy? That's what they want to know. So, um, and, and I'll tell you a quick story here. We had a kid by the name of Greg Mangano on my team. He, he was the blackest black hole that I've ever seen play a game of basketball. His senior <laughs> year, his senior year, the brother had seven assists. Seven, his Dang. entire senior year. Jokers get seven and a half. Yeah, in a, sometimes in a in quarter. A, in a, yeah, let's say in a game in a quarter. Yeah. So, so I, I think I'm a pretty smart guy, right? I got my my uh my state university education i think i'm a pretty smart guy and yeah i bring this yale student in greg mangano and i have seven clips of him getting double teamed in the post and him either turning the ball over or missing a shot with a guy in the scene austin morgan who's wide open a guy in the uh in a, in a on a wing um sam martin who's wide open they will both shoot around 40 percent from the arc and greg so i show him the video and i I think that this is going to just be the tide that turns it and he's going to realize he needs to pass the damn ball. So he looks at the video, he looks at me, he looks at the video, looks at me, he goes, hey, coach, I think that we're better off with me shoot the ball with those three dudes on me. Than <laughs> and it was like, he wasn't laughing. No, he, he did serious. <laughs> he just yeah, yeah. serious. Right. brother was serious as cancer. So, so like I knew that I was at an impasse and I didn't really, I had a Greg Mangano problem. But the bigger problem was James Jones because my offense was trying to get him the ball all the time, thinking that he would make the right play, and he never did. Uh, in any event, um, 
it changed what we do. So we run more of a motion offense and that sharing of the ball, that, 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 you know, sharing of the sugar and the energy that is developed with your team once it's shared um, is really important. So, you know, we do things like you got to trick your student athletes sometimes. So we have a half court scrimmage and like we have one today where we count ball reversals. So every time the ball gets reversed, that adds one point if you score. So if you score and you have four ball reversals, now you got six points instead of two points. So, it's like one of those things. so now the guys are thinking, well, we got to move the ball because I'm trying to win because they all want to win the drill. At the end of the day, yeah, of no course. doubt. Yeah. Right. They, they, right. they, they want to know what's on the scoreboard. They don't care about learning to get better. So we had to trick their behinds into, okay, now ball reversal. So it's one of the things that, you know, an epiphany I had, you know, in the bathroom talking to the lacrosse coach. And and, and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, okay, th this is going to be a good idea for me to be able to, to trick these guys into doing something that uh, is going to help us be better. So it's just that you have to do things like that sometimes. But that sharing of the ball is, I think, is the most important pillar. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago about the extra pass. And I just said, look, I don't know why that shot tends to go in. Mm. In a way, I don't want to know why, because that's one of the beautiful mysteries of the game. Like, obviously, it's the way the game is supposed to be played. But when you go swing, swing, and there's a guy in the corner and the whole bench is standing up, like, even before the guy catches the ball, yeah. you know, like that that connectivity that you're talking about. Like, again, I it, it's a it's a beautiful mystery. And I don't actually want to know the answer because that'll ruin it for me. Yeah, well, I, again, it, it's like, here again, I'm going to ruin it for you then. <laughs> 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 this is all this is all theoretical it's my theory the reason why that ball goes in is because that person who's taking that shot is feeling the weight of his entire team like he feels he feels the energy from it. yeah he feels the energy from everybody like everybody's like everybody's eyes get open wide and it's like oh like his eyes open wide and i just have more energy to do everything i'm gonna lift a little bit higher i'm gonna shoot it whatever it is I feel that the, the, the ball, every time it's passed, there's like, you know, remember that the Space Jam movie when you had the, uh, the, guys, went, the guys went into the ball? It's kind of like that energy from everybody going from pass to pass. And when that happens, you get that more energy, you have the momentum. So it's just not you shooting it. It's the guy who passed the ball to you. It's the guy that passed the ball to him. It's your teammate that's standing up. And you feel all that when you shoot. And it's one of those things that you don't even know that, that they're helping you make that shot. But in my mind, they are. So that's that's kind of how. So you even got guys, bad shooters like me, making that shot. <laughs> right. I have never heard anybody say it in those regards, though. The Space Jam metaphor. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so what we'll do, Alan, unless you got anything else, I say we can cut to. I know we're crunched with a little time, so we can cut to the final segment. Yeah, I got one more for you, James. Um, obviously, you've done this a long time. And we're, as coaches, obviously, we're on our players a lot about developing and getting better. Um, what's the next step for you or what is the thing that you tried to attack maybe this offseason to improve yourself? Because the beauty of that is, obviously, all you're going to do is turn around and share that with your team anyway, your own development. Um, what have you tried to personally, as a coach, focus on to say, okay, this is one thing I need to continue to, to develop myself at? Yeah, I, I think just being okay with giving up some of the responsibilities of the program to my, my assistant coaches. Because when you've had guys 
as long as I've had. Like I said, they get tired of hearing me talk, man. They get tired of it. And, and, I, and I, can, I can understand it. So I'm trying to increase their voices and trying to give them, give them leverage to speak and talk and to grow and to help our team. Because, you know, like I, I used to be assistant coach in a room and I wasn't heard sometimes. I'd be sitting there and I'm trying to help the guy and, and listen to anything that James Jones has to say. So I, I, I so given those guys, and I think I had some pretty good things to say, right? And so <laughs> now, to my, because I think I have some pretty good assistants, giving them a chance to talk. So being able to relinquish that is hard, though, because I had I had a conversation, but I had a conversation when I go, listen, dudes, I'm going to give you some rope here, but every now and again, I'm going to feel a certain way because I know me, I'm going to feel a certain way. So you got to make me, you got to be okay with me feeling a certain way, because I'm going to get. It's, it's hard. Like, is it giving up your baby, man? It's like, like you just can't give your baby anybody. It's, 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 I've been doing this for five years. Like, this this program was the worst in the country when I took it over. Like, yep. there were they, there were three hundred six teams in the country. Three hundred sixteen teams in the country. Yale was ranked three fourteen. We were the worst of the worst. There was like there was like Brown and like Longwood that were beneath us, and so everybody else was above. Not anymore. Not anymore. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> No more. Not at all. No more. Not at all, man. No. Good stuff, man. No, I, I I love that. I mean, that's a that's something that's never solved, right? Like we we were Doug and I had somebody on the other day. We almost said it's like tending to a garden, you know, like had tending yeah. to a garden is never handled where somebody says, "Oh, my garden's good." Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. always needs something, always you know. Something. And so that's something that's never solved, but clearly it's affected your program in the best of ways. And those guys are going to look back when they get opportunities down the line and, and they'll thank you for it. Cause they don't realize how much they're growing yeah. by, by that being allowed to happen. Yeah. They, they, they look, they're looking to take me out so they can take over. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking up under your car before you turn the ignition on. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you guys right now, Alan, Doug, if something for Gazy happens to me, like coach, yeah. look at those dudes first. Right, we, right. <laughs> we got it on tape right here. Yeah, yeah, no Make doubt, it. we got we got evidence. Evidence yeah. right here. Go, go that Yale, bas Yale get basketball going to be on Dateline. <laughs> get their alibi. Get their alibi. <laughs> Check into that stuff. Oh, great stuff, man. All right. Well, Coach, what we'll do is we'll get into the final segment and then we'll wrap things up here. Um, all we have is three quick questions. We like to call our segment the three quick hitters. So – Three quick questions, um, short, quick responses from you. And then all we're really looking to do is just get all the listeners to be able to learn a little bit more about who you are as a person. So the first one um, is, what is one thing you don't think you could go a day without? Working out. Working out? Yeah. I, yeah, great answer. What is the longest you've gone? And I, I had to put this on here, especially for a coach. Uh, what's the longest you've gone without sleep and why? Probably... Uh... We took a flight to China. And for whatever reason, I decided to, cause trying to get myself back on the right clock. I think I didn't sleep the night before we left and I didn't sleep the entire flight. So it was like 36 hours or something like that. Wow. Staying awake on a plane. Oh man. I would have found out. Yeah, I, watched, that, that's I, watched, I think I watched every movie they had. <laughs> I was going to say, you have a lot of time there. <laughs> right. 
And then I, you kind of answered this in the beginning, but um, career-wise, what did, was there anything different that you initially wanted to do when you were younger? Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to be an uh, NBA player, right? I was like, again, like in my mind, I was nasty. This, this, yeah. I was nasty. I was going to play for the Knicks. I had, to, I had, listen, I was going to North Carolina. <laughs> I was going to play for Dean Smith. I was going to play in the Olympics. I was going to win a gold medal. And then I was going to go play for the Knicks and wear number 10. Walt Frazier was my dude. And I, I got a chance to meet Clyde at uh, Garfinkel's um, um, memorial service in the city. It was, it, was at his, it was at his restaurant. And I got, a, I got a photo with Clyde. And it was just real quickly, when I was a kid, the Knicks, he and Dave DeBusher were at like some T.C. Richardson sons or piece, some whatever the case. And so we went to try to meet him and get an autograph. So they, like you can imagine, like thousands of people showed up for this. And I remember being on my dad's shoulders and, and like, you know, all excited. This is my dude now. Clyde was my And so he, Clyde and the Busher walked in and I got a chance to see him. And my dad go, that's enough. Let's go. I'm done. <laughs> right. we, listen, I am not, my pops was like, I am not waiting for any autographs here. I'll be here for six days. We're gone. And like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm like seven, eight, nine years old. I'm like crying. <laughs> right, right, right. He, he, could, he could care. He could care. Let's get in the car. Boy. Here's a tissue. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> I'll sign the paper for you. Write his name. How about that? Exactly right. Exactly right. And then the final question we like to ask all of our coaches who are on the call. So as, as this platform, Rising Coaches, it's, it's primarily for coaches moving up in the industry, but then also, you know, being able to advance in positions. So what is your best if I'd say to narrow down and find one best piece of advice for young rising coaches who are trying to get their foot in the door and then how can they accomplish this goal? Yeah. So the, the hardest thing to do, this business is based on who, you know, it's all about who, you know, it's hard to get a job with somebody that has no idea who you are, like a cold call. It's, it happens, but it's rare. You know, uh, guys are going to hire former players. They're going to hire former coaches. So it's all about who, you know, so, trying to get your foot in the door, volunteer at camps, um, you know, go to practices, uh, meet the staffs. And like, cause the, the assistant coaches are the next head coaches. So getting a chance to know some head coach, some assistant coaches is really important. So go to work camps, you know, do a bang up job, show up early, stay late, um, make sure they know who you are, follow up and just naturally follow up. And it's interesting. Here's a great one for you. Like I was, um, at Ohio University, and uh, my man Skip Prosser, we went to watch this guy Brooks. I can't remember Brooks's last name. Uh, anyway, it was the first day of recruiting one year, and um, so Brooks is on his team. And they had this one kid that looked like Ali from Hoosiers. Ali was taking every shot. Ali was, like, was like, "Listen, listen, this is my world." Yeah, this right, world. right. You and guys like, get your own. I'm on. <laughs> I mean, Ali, would you, you know, Brooks, that's what we're here to see. So um, when you when we were there, the um, uh, one of the coaches handed out like photos of all the players on the team, where their high, their high school were, what the GPAs and all that kind of stuff. So a few days later, I cut and pasted that and I sent it to Skip saying that, hey, listen, my name is Ali and I want to come play for you at Xavier. <laughs> oh. So Skip called me up and he goes, listen, man, I'm <laughs> you got way too much time on your hands. <laughs> but what was what was great, what I thought was great about that was that, like, you know, Skip, 
didn't hire me. And I don't even know if he had a job opening, but it was just a natural thing to do. It wasn't forced. I didn't like, you know, like try to find my way in or like, it was just this natural, cause we were laughing about this kid the whole time. It was just a natural way of connecting with someone. And I always felt like God bless Skip's soul. I always felt like I had a connection with Skip because of that one interaction and watching this kid play and us laughing about some dude that stunk was shooting the ball. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's beautiful, man. I mean, the, the, another angle of this, this platform started as networking, but what we've really now trying to shift to is growth and development as yeah. well and helping guys grow. And part of helping guys grow is, you know, just again, preaching over and over. And we don't even, Doug and I don't need to bring it up because all the guests have said it. It's just the power of not just relationships, but also being authentic yeah, along the yeah. way. Like don't create a relationship with the hope that you're going to get something, have your goals, but be authentic along the way as well. No, no, something natural that, that occurs. That's fine. It's just hard. It's just like a relationship when you're getting married or dating someone, it's like, yeah, you can't force it. It's just gotta happen, but you gotta put, but you gotta get in the arena. You gotta go out. You gotta go out to see if you can find something though. Right. You can't, yeah, no doubt. You gotta, right. You gotta, <laughs> can't stay at home. No question. <laughs> not, at least not back in my day. No, you know, no, no. All the, all the swipe. Yeah. Right now, now you got the dating apps. You just yeah. scroll right. through. And right. I know nothing about that. If I was single, I'd have a big problem because I had I got no interest <laughs> in doing any of that. I'll tell you what, we got some great information today, but got some good laughs out of this too. Thank you, coach. Yeah, um, you guys are welcome. Yeah, so that does it again for another episode. Um, coach, thank you again for sharing your experiences and thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, and again, another episode down for Rising Coaches Podcast. I'm Doug Caputo alongside Alan Major here. And keep working, keep rising, coaches. Prepare your team for success this season with our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball, the official number one selling shooting machine in basketball. If you're looking to transform and focus your team's training efforts, all you have to do is mention rising coaches or tell them we sent you with the Rising Coaches podcast. For an additional $300 off, select Dr. Dish shooting machines. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.